created another image, the calf, that was supposed to represent God. But God says, no, only me. I don't need anything else to represent me, only me. So as we continue to learn more about this commandment, we are commanded not to take the name of our Lord our God in vain, or in other words, misuse His name in any way. Let's look to the Lord in prayer as we continue this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for the opportunity that we have to be here this morning. We ask God that You would speak to our hearts. We ask God that You would challenge us in a way, Lord, that would be pleasing to You. And Lord, we ask that You would, uh, Lord, in a way that only You can, Lord, help us to understand the ways that we can magnify Your name in a better way. And we'll give You all the praise and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what is so special about a name? Well, consider this thought. Did you ever meet anyone who at birth decided who decided their own name? Well, of course not. Every one of us were most likely named by our parents. In fact, when our parents named us, they were exercising their God-given rights in choosing our name. And for every one of us who had that privilege, it's a great opportunity. And I remember as we went into our, our at least our, our, our third child's birth, Andrea, we had certain names that were picked out. And uh, Andrea's birth was unique. Um, we were on our way to the hospital, and uh, you know we pull into the hospital, and all of a sudden the name that we had picked out just didn't apply. I mean, we were certain we were going to have the name Holly. And I looked at Andrea, and Don looked at Holly. I mean, and, uh, I looked at Andrea, and Don looked at Andrea, and says, "She's not a Holly. Just didn't work." And I looked at Don, and Don looked at me. I said, how about Andrea? She goes, that's it. And uh, it's really unique because we always, you know, going into the birth, we always have these names that are going to be, you know, possibilities. And it's always a secret. We don't want to let everybody know what those possibilities are, especially not people like my mother, if she happens to watch this later, I'm sorry. But my mom comes up with some weird names. Um, if I were of any other of a dozen different ethnic groups, they might work. But my mom's names don't work. So we kind of look forward to just kind of keeping it a secret, going into this thing, and naming our name, naming our daughter Andrea. All of us who had that privilege, we know it's such a privilege, and it's an awesome, exciting time to name one of our children. But you know, on the other hand, no one ever named God. God both chose and revered His own name by Himself. He exercised His own sovereign authority by Himself, and His name comes before all other names. It is the most important name. In fact, the name that God used to revere Himself was a special covenant name, Yahweh. In fact, we see this first uh, highlighted, uh, one of the earliest times it's highlighted in Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, he says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is how I am to be remembered in every generation. What an incredible thought to consider that God said, this is my name, and it is forever. It's an amazing thing to consider that names come and go. 
from one generation to the next. And uh, it is interesting to, to kind of go through history and you see some of the most popular names of the 80s was, and then some of the most popular names of the 90s was, but those names pass with each new generation, with each new fad, with each new celebrity that comes and somebody wants to name their kids after that celebrity. But Yahweh is a name that will last forever and for all eternity. So Yahweh is actually a four-letter word in the Hebrew alphabet, Y-H-W-H. It literally means, I am who I am, or more literally, I will be who I will be. And His name is much more than a name. It is His identity. So we need to consider what God's Word says about His own name. In fact, I'll just give you several references here that highlight this. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 1, Yahweh, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. He says, how magnificent is this name Yahweh. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. In Psalm chapter 106, verse 8, he says, He saved them because of His name's sake. Because of Yahweh's name, He saved them. In Psalm 111, verse 9, he says, His name is holy and awe-inspiring. It's an incredible name that no one else can bear. So God brought Israel out of Egypt's bondage for His own name's sake. And when we think of all the things that the children of Israel endured, He says, I've heard your cries by reason of your taskmasters. Because of who I am, because of my name, because I am the one and only, I will deliver you. And everything that he did was to bring highlights to his own name. So let's go back to our text just for a moment in Exodus chapter 20. It says in verse 7, Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. What does it mean to misuse his name? Well, the King James Version says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Literally, thou shalt not lift up God's name to nothingness. To nothingness. Vain means empty. It means nothing. So it's the idea of bringing a name to mean nothing. How is that accomplished? Think about that just for a moment. That's a powerful thought. To bring a name to mean nothing. God's name is so special that many Orthodox Jews refuse to use the name Yahweh altogether. However, God intended for His name to be used, as it is mentioned more than 7,000 times in the Word of God. It's a name that was intended to be used because it points to His own glory. And what God forbids is the misuse of His name. In other words, God's name is not to be used in a vain or empty way, a way that would mean it or, or mean, uh, would bring it to mean nothing or have no meaning involved with it. In the study of the Ten Commandments, a Dutch scholar named Jochem Duma mentioned three ways that God's name is profaned in the Old Testament. Uh, in sorcery, in false prophecy, and in taking false oaths. But first of all, with sorcery. Sorcery has to do with the occult. Many people believe that they can gain access to the supernatural and gain power by using divine names and magical chants. And God forbids such practices, and He forbids His name to be used along with sorcery. In fact, take your Bibles just for a moment and turn to Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, chapter 18. 
And I want you to follow along as I begin reading with verse 9, and we'll read down through verse 12. It says, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not imitate the detestable customs of those nations. And then he goes on to describe some of those customs. Verse 10, No one among you is to make his son or daughter pass through the fire. Well, as we say often, when people do foolish things and there's a warning that says not to do them, it's usually because they were doing them. So he says, this practice, not to happen. But then he goes on. Practice divination. Tell fortunes. Interpret omens. Practice sorcery. Cast spells. Consult a medium or a familiar spirit. Or inquire of the dead. Everyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord and the Lord your God is driving out the nations before you because of these detestable things. He says, my name is not to be involved in these types of things. But secondly, false prophecy. False prophets tried to give credence to their words by saying, thus saith the Lord. Uh, it's easy to say, well, you know, I want you to do this, but God said to do it. And he says, no, that's not how it works. In fact, if you would turn your Bibles to Jeremiah... Isaiah, Jeremiah, chapter 14, and verses 14 and 15. It says, But the Lord said to me, These prophets are prophesying a lie. How? In my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, worthless divination, the deceit of their own minds. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, though I did not send them, and who say they will never be, be sword or famine in this land. By sword and famine, these prophets will meet their end. He says, I take it serious. Just as we saw last week with the prophets of Baal, he says, once again, you misuse my name, I will take that very serious. So it's not a name to be used with any other uh, entity. And then number three, false oaths. These were used in an effort to convince people of lies. If you turn back just a few chapters in Jeremiah chapter 5, we see an example of this. Jeremiah chapter 5. It says, when they say, as the Lord lives, they are swearing falsely. They were using the efforts to convince people of lies. So he says, this is not to take place. They're using my name to deceive people. And I think these kinds of things still happen today. There are all kinds of people. We see them on TV every week. We hear them on the radio. Um, well, God says, you know, remember a few years back, there was one televangelist who said God told him to raise $100 million. God told him he had to raise $100 million or something drastic was going to happen to his own life. If you remember this story, I won't name any names, but if you remember the story and how it played out, he got up somewhere around $70 million, and it kind of the campaign kind of stopped. And it kind of went null and void, and in the news it wasn't you know, the issue anymore, it wasn't being highlighted anymore, and they, they finally asked him, said, well, I thought God had told you to raise $100 million. He said, well, God did. He goes, well, how much did you raise? He says, well, we didn't raise it all and come to find out they had raised in the 70s or 80s. And he said, well, what happened to the rest of the campaign? He goes, God said I didn't need to complete it. 
wow, there's a really nice invi- and, and, you know, retirement plan going on right there. Um, people who do things falsely in God's name happens all the time. And people build monuments to themselves trying to convince people that God had asked them to do it. False oaths. God says he will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. Those who choose to misuse his name face his judgment. But on the contrary, how can we use God's name correctly? Well, first of all, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says, Hallowed be his name. And the word hallowed means to consecrate or set apart for a purpose, to preserve. We are to set apart God's name. We're to preserve his name for the purpose of bringing glory to him. And God's word gives us several examples of this. Let me just give you the references, and uh, I'll tell you what the verses say. The first one is in Psalm chapter 29, verse 2, and in Psalm 96, verse 8. It says, Ascribe to Yahweh the glory due His name. To ascribe means that we are to boast, we're to give honor, we're to highlight His name, the glory due His name. So every time something is accomplished in your life, every time something good happens, Every time God provides, every time He blesses, that's when we take and ascribe glory to His name. If God does something, He gets the glory. If God does anything in our lives, He gets the glory. So when you know, God gives you a gift of any sort, praise be to God for this gift. When God spares our life in an accident, thank God for giving us life allowing us to remain alive. Whatever it is that God does, we're to ascribe to Yahweh the glory to His name. Psalm 66.2 says, Sing about the glory of His name. Did you get your very first word? What is it? Sing. Do you sing? I can remember for years, and once again, my brother, if he's watching it, or listening, sorry, Craig. For years, my brother, I used to tease him so bad. He's standing the entire service. I used to look at him and he goes, I said, Craig, why don't you sing? I don't sing. No, he's not that way today, I'll say that. But in high school and in college, everybody would be singing. My brother would just stand there. He goes, I don't sing. I'm not a good singer, I just don't sing. God's Word says make a joyful... You don't have to be really good. You don't have to be a professional. But singing is an attitude of the heart. And when God does something, we need to sing about it. Even if it means having our own personal concert, concerts once in a while. I remember there, my kids were teasing me because I didn't realize what time it was. At 2 in the morning I had music blaring and I was doing sheetrock and drywalling and sanding in the whole nine yards and I was down there singing at the top of my lungs. Yeah, it's just worshiping God. We need to learn to sing. Yeah, I know it's hilarious. You can laugh. That's okay. But the bottom line is, it says sing. Why? Sing about the glory of His name. He's an awesome God. Sing about it. Don't come to church and go, oh, praise God, I'm a believer. Blessed be your name. Sing! Because it says something about who our attitude towards God. Psalm seventy-two, nineteen. 
May His glorious name be praised forever. His name is to be glorified and lifted high. Psalm 103.1 Praise His holy name. We're to bring praise to His name. What does it mean to praise? It means to boast in. It means to boast. Now I know I've been here long enough, four and a half years, to realize that some of you have favorite teams. I.e. the Steelers. Well, then we won't hold that against you too long. But, okay. <laughs> but you have this favorite team that you like, and you highlight some, many of us across this room. Um, and it's really easy to boast in them when they have a good season. When they have a good season, everybody knows about it because we can't stop talking about it. And we boast in who who they are and what they've accomplished and how far they went in the season and how the how many titles they've won or whatever the case may be. What are we doing? We're praising them. We're boasting in them and their abilities. But do we, in some kind of fashion, boast in our God that way? When's the last time we said, look what God has done? And we begin to highlight the answered prayer. And can I just make this little side point? If God is not answering prayer in your life, there's a reason for it. There really is. We should not be going week after week, month after month, year after year, not seeing God answer prayer in some way. This is another whole side message, but let me just kind of highlight for a moment. God says that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You can pray all you want, but when you're not dealing with sin, God's not going to answer your prayer. Proverbs tells us that he that covers a matter will not prosper. Covering sin, covering situations that are not right before God, God says you can pray all you want. I'm not going to bless you. And it really, when we have day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year of no answered prayer, it really ought to make us look internally and say, is there a reason? And when we don't have a reason, or when we see that God, you know, that there's a circumstance in our life and we deal with it, and then God begins to favor us with His blessing again, and begins to shower us with answered prayer, that's opportunity to praise His name. Look what God has done. And then Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10 says, Trust in the name of Yahweh. Trust in when Moses went in there and God says, tell them that I am has sent me unto you. And then he says, that very name, I am has sent me unto you. Trust in that name. Who we trust in? Do we trust in our jobs? Do we trust in our government? Do we trust in the security of our homes? Do we trust in our friendships and our relationships? Or can we honestly say we are trusting in God? We're trusting in Yahweh. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 58, it says, Fear His glorious and awesome name. Do we fear the name of Yahweh? Do we fear His glorious name? Because of His ability. Because of the power that He possesses. Because of the wherewithal that He has to change everything. Do we fear His glorious name? In Colossians chapter, every, or Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Every time we do something for someone, we do it in the name of Jesus. Can I just say it? 
it gives you the wherewithal to do it when you don't feel like doing it in the flesh. Because there's a lot of times, let's just be honest, we don't want to do something for someone else. There's a lot of times when I wake up and the phone's ringing and we got these things to do and these things to do over here and this person over here and it's like, ugh. Which one do you do? Which ones do you not do? But God, what is it that would bring glory to you? And that's hard sometimes. But I know in my flesh, I don't want to always do everything for everyone else. But do it in the name of Jesus. So you can be a picture of Jesus to them as you do it. Sometimes they need it. Acts chapter 19, if you would take your Bibles and turn there. Acts 19, and beginning with verse 11. So we're to ascribe to Yahweh the glory of His name. We're to sing about the glory of His name. We're uh, to praise His holy name. We're to trust in His holy name. We're to fear His glorious and awesome name. We're to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Acts 19, beginning with verse 11, says, God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands, so that even face cloths or work aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, <laughs> saying, I command you by the, by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Isn't that amazing? Our gods aren't doing it. Let me say it by your God. I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered them, I know Jesus, and I recognize Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit leaped on them and overpowered them all and prevailed against them so that they ran out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. Then fear on all of them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. That's what should be done to the name of Jesus. Isn't that an awesome story? I would have loved to have seen that happen. Well, not the naked part, but the rest of it. Let me clarify that. But think about how great and powerful his name is. So in conclusion, five things here. Number one, we're saved by his name. Acts 4.12 says there's salvation in no other name. We're saved by his name. And if his name saves us, we have to once again glorify that name above every other name. Number two, we're baptized in His name. Saved in His name, baptized in His name. So what's the significance of that? Matthew 28, 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we are baptized, as we've said many, many times, and some of you have not seen my little illustration lately, but those of you that are new here, when we stand in the water, we form a cross. What did Jesus Christ do when He was on the cross? He died. So he went under. And then when he stayed, went into the tomb, how long did he stay there? 
three days, and then he what? He arose. You say, why do we make a big deal about how we are baptized? Because you cannot picture the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by being sprinkled. Nobody was ever been able to represent the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by being sprinkled. So the mode is important. And you'll see from Scripture that Jesus went down into the water and came up out of the water. And the second thing, let me just highlight as well, is that baptism always follows belief. Nowhere in Scripture will we find a, an example of an infant being, saved, or being baptized. And over the years, I've had many people come to me and say, Pastor, will you baptize my baby? No, sir. No, ma'am. I cannot do that. We can dedicate that child, and I want to do that. But see, baptism follows belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we are baptized in the name of Jesus, we are publicly saying and telling everybody about a private conversion that has taken place. Publicly, they are understanding what has taken place privately. And I want to be a picture of Jesus Christ in my life. I want my life to point to Jesus that's why I'm publicly. I had someone come to me one time. They said, Pastor, I'm so shy. Can we do a baptismal service after everyone leaves? They asked that. And I said, no, sir. He goes, well, why not? What's the big deal? I mean, I'm willing to, t- I'm willing to do it. And I said, because it is a public testimony. Baptism should be public. And it tells everybody, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. And I don't want to hide behind an empty room. I want to publicly proclaim, I want to point others to Jesus by the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. So we are saved by His name. We're baptized by His name. We're sanctified by His name. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. and verse 11, it just says this, I'll read it very quickly. Chapter 6, verse 11 says, And some of you used to be like this, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We cannot do it apart from Him. <coughs> you know, every year people try to make resolutions. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to change here, change there. But the bottom line is you cannot do it apart from the name of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you go back in this passage, uh, just a couple of verses... Um, again, verse 7 says, Therefore, to have legal disputes against one another is already a moral failure for you. Why not rather put up with the injustice? Why not rather just be cheated? Instead, you act unjustly and cheat, and you do, not do, you, and you do this to believers. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, nor swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this. That's the, that's the amazing thing. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's made a change in our life through the name of Jesus Christ. And remember, once again, baptism. According to Romans chapter 6, when we go under, we are crucifying the old man, the old flesh. That is who we were before Christ came into our lives. So the practices that dominated our lives before Christ should not be the practices that dominate our life after Christ. Right? So the old man was crucified and a new man is born. 
we're sanctified by that name and forgiven by that name. And if you would, take your Bibles and turn to one last passage in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 9 says, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is the name above all their names. And that's why he tells us in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7 that we're not to do anything that would make his name mean nothing. We're not to do anything that would misuse the Lord's name because it is a special name unlike any other. The name of Jesus. The name of Yahweh. And we need to remember that. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. He takes it very serious. And we see all along through this study that He is a jealous God. He alone deserves all the glory. And we need to point others to His name and to His name alone. Let's pray.